0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at com. Welcome to the family.
1: VDW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Section 5 of Journal of a Voyage to Lisbon by Henry Fielding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James Carson. If it should be doubted whether we can bring this case within the letter of any capital law now subsisting, I am ashamed to own it cannot, for surely no crime better deserves such punishment, but the remedy may nevertheless be immediate. And if a law was made at the beginning of next session, to take place immediately by which the starving thousands of poor was declared to be felony, without benefit of clergy, the fishmongers would be hanged before the end of the session. A second method of filling the mouths of the poor, if not with loaves, at least with fishes, is to desire the magistrates to carry into execution one at least out of near a hundred acts of Parliament for preserving the small fry of the river of Thames, by which means, as few fish, would satisfy thousands, as may now be devoured by a small number of individuals. But while a fisherman can break through the strongest meshes of an act of Parliament, we may be assured, he will learn so to contrive his own meshes, that the smallest fry will not be able to swim through them. Other methods may, we doubt not, he suggested by those who shall attentively consider the evil here hinted at. But we have dwelt too long on it already." and shall conclude with observing that it is difficult to affirm whether the atrocity of the evil itself, the facility of curing it, or the shameful neglect of the cure, be the more scandalous or more astonishing. After having, however, gloriously regaled myself with this food, I was washing it down with some good claret with my wife and her friend in the cabin, when the captain's valet de chambre, Head Cook, House and Ship Steward, Footman in livery, and aunt secretary and foremast man, all burst into the cabin at once, being indeed all but one person, and without saying by your leave, began to pack half a hogshead of small beer and bottles. The necessary consequence of which must have been either a total stop to conversation at that cheerful season when it is most agreeable or admitting that polyonymous officer aforesaid to the participation of it. I desired him, therefore, to delay his purpose a little longer, but he refused to grant my request. Nor was he prevailed on to quit the room, until he was threatened with having one bottle to pack more than his dumber, which then happened to stand empty within my reach." With these menaces he retired at last, but not without muttering some menaces on his side, and which to our great terror he failed not to put into immediate execution. Our captain was gone to dinner this day with his Swiss brother, and though he was a very sober man, was a little elevated with some champagne, which, as it cost the Swiss little or nothing, he dispensed at his table more liberally than our hospitable English nobleman put about those bottles which the ingenious Peter Taylor teaches a lead captain to avoid by distinguishing by the name of that generous liquor which all humble companions are taught to postpone to the flavor of Methuen or honest port while our two captains were thus regaling themselves and celebrating their own heroic exploits with all the inspiration which the liquor at least of wit could afford them the polyonymous officer arrived and being saluted by the name of honest tom was ordered to sit down and take his glass before he delivered his message for every sailor is by turns his captain's mate over a can, except only that Captain Beshaw, who presides in a man of war, and who upon earth has no other mate, unless it be another of the same Beshaws, Tom had no sooner swallowed his draft, than he hastily began his narrative, and faithfully related what had happened on board our ship. We say faithfully though from what happened it may be suspected that Tom chose to add perhaps only five or six immaterial circumstances, as is always, I believe, the case, and may possibly have been done by me in relating this very story, though it happened not many hours ago. No sooner was the captain informed of the interruption which had been given to his officer, and indeed to his orders, for he thought no time so convenient as that of his absence for causing any confusion in the cabin, than he leaped with such haste from his chair that he had like to have broke his sword, with which he always begirt himself when he walked out of his ship, or sometimes when he walked about in it. At the same time grasping eagerly that other implement called a cockade, which modern soldiers wear on their helmets with the same view as the ancients did their crests, to terrify the enemy, he muttered something, but so inarticulately that the word damn was only intelligible. He then hastily took leave of the Swiss captain, who was too well bred to press his stay on such an occasion, and leaped first from the ship to his boat, and then from his boat to his own ship, with as much fierceness in his looks as he had ever expressed on boarding his defenseless prey in the honorable calling of a privateer. Having regained the middle deck, He paused a moment while Tom and others loaded themselves with bottles, and then, descending into the cabin, exclaimed with a thundering voice, "'Damn me! Why aren't the bottles stowed in, according to my orders?' I answered him very mildly, that I had prevented his man from doing it, as it was at an inconvenient time to me, and as, in his absence, at least, I esteemed the cabin to be my own. "'Your cabin?' "'repeated he many times. "'No, damn me, tis my cabin. "'Your cabin, damn me! "'I have brought my hogs to a fair market. "'I suppose, indeed, you think it your cabin and your ship "'by your commanding in it. "'But I will command in it, damn me. "'I will show the world I am the commander, "'and nobody but I. "'Did you think I sold you the command of my ship "'for that pitiful thirty pounds?' I wish I had not seen you, nor your thirty pounds, aboard of her. He then repeated the words thirty pounds often, with great disdain, and with a contempt which I own the sum did not seem to deserve in my eye, either in itself, or on the present occasion. Being, indeed, paid for the freight of blank weight of human flesh, which is above fifty percent dearer than the freight of any other luggage, whilst in reality it takes up less room, in fact no room at all. In truth, the sum was paid for nothing more than for a liberty to six persons, two of them servants, to stay on board a ship while she sails from one port to another, every shilling of which comes clear into the captain's pocket. Ignorant people may perhaps imagine, especially when they are told— that the captain is obliged to sustain them, that their diet at least is worth something, which may probably be now and then so far the case as to deduct a tenth part from the net profits on this account. But it was otherwise at present, for when I had contracted with the captain at a price which I by no means thought moderate, I had some content in thinking I should have no more to pay for my voyage." But I was whispered that it was expected the passengers should find themselves in several things, such as tea, wine, and such like, and particularly that gentlemen should stow of the latter a much larger quantity than they could use, in order to leave the remainder as a present to the captain at the end of the voyage. And it was expected likewise that gentlemen should put aboard some fresh stores, and the more of such things were put aboard, the welcomer they would be to the captain. I was prevailed with by these hints to follow the advice proposed, and accordingly, besides tea and a large hamper of wine, with several hams and tongues, I caused a number of live chickens and sheep to be conveyed aboard. In truth— Treble the quantity of provisions which would have supported the persons I took with me, had the voyage continued three weeks, as it was supposed. With a bare possibility it might. Indeed, it continued much longer, but as this was occasioned by our being wind-bound in our own ports, it was by no means of any ill consequence to the captain as the additional stores of fish, fresh meat, butter, bread, etc., which I constantly laid in, greatly exceeded the consumption, and went some way in maintaining the ship's crew. It is true I was not obliged to do this, but it seemed to be expected, for the captain did not think himself obliged to do it. And I can truly say I soon ceased to expect it of him. He had, I confess, on board a number of fowls and ducks sufficient for a West India voyage. All of them, as he often said, very fine birds and of the largest breed. This, I believe, was really the fact, and I can add that...
0: Step into the world of power. Loyalty